Would you turn with me, please, this morning to uh, the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms in the 34th Psalm. Everybody happy this morning? Glad you're in church. How many think this is a lot better than being in jail for doing something stupid last night? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is great, right? I mean, this. <laughs> Sometimes people try to act like, you know, oh, you, you Christian people, y'all are so dull and boring. Y'all don't have any fun. Hey, hugging a commode is not fun. Sitting in the jail cell with a bunch of strangers is not fun, right? Right? I mean, having your car tore up is, you know, not fun. Phyllis and I were somewhere a while back, and we saw a bunch of teenagers, and they come. The car came screaming around the corner, and they're all hanging out the window, yelling, screaming obscenities and all kind of stuff. I said, bless their hearts. They'll try all night to have fun and not succeed. Just have regrets and and guilt in the morning, right? Well, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live like that. How many believe that real Christianity is far from boring? Real Christianity. Now, this old religious tradition of men stuff, yeah, they can have that, right? (laughs) Forget that. But real Christianity, real Christianity, oh, there's no life like it. Uh, there's no better life. If there was anything better, I'd do it. There is nothing better. I said, there is nothing better. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Psalm 34. We've been ministering for a number of weeks. I guess, what, about seven or eight weeks at least here. On the subject of being free from all fears. How many believe that's the will of God? That we be free from all fears. So let's read this out loud. In fact, let's all of us read it out loud together. Verses 1 through 4 in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me. From all my fears. Whew, don't you like that? Let's say that out loud again. I did what? I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. All my fears. If you're delivered from all fears, how many phobias do you have left? Huh? How many insecurities are remaining in your life? If you're delivered from all fears, that means you have no fear of anything. You don't fear terrorist attacks. 
You don't fear tornadoes. Did you hear me? You don't fear economic problems. You don't fear layoffs at the job. Right? You don't fear that your spouse is going to cheat on you. You don't fear that your children are going to go crazy. Did you hear me? You don't fear that they're not going to come back home. Did you hear me? Society, the world, I should say, has trained people to fear and trained people to worry. And it's sad, even among a lot of uh, church people, people are brought up and taught that if you really care, you worry. Hmm? If you don't worry, you don't care. Right? I mean, I was taught that growing up. Right? I mean, if you got loved ones and they're sick or they're in the hospital or, or you got somebody that's got money problems and you're not pacing the floor and losing some sleep, then you're just a sorry rascal. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, if you had a smile on your face and some of your loved ones are in trouble, then you're either crazy, yeah. ain't got enough sense to worry. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about Christians, right? Christians. But the Lord has told us in no uncertain terms. In fact, let's just turn back and look at it real quick. Go to John. Hold your place in Psalms if you hadn't already lost it. You can find it again. But in John, the 14th chapter, John 14 Verse 26, John 14, 26 says, but the comforter, do we have a comforter? The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever I've said to you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. So as a result of this, notice what he tells us to do. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm going to say that again. Who said this now? Who's talking? Jesus. Jesus. What did he tell you and me? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Did he say, try not to worry? Did he say, try not to worry? No, No, he did not. What did he say? In other words, don't let your heart be troubled. Can you do what he said? Do you have any control over that? See, so many people will tell you, well, Mother Keith, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can, but it's just overwhelming. And the implication is, I can't help it. I'm trying not to be afraid, but I can't help it. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. I'm trying not to worry, Brother Keith, but I can't help it. That's a lie. I can't help it is a lie. Millions believe it, but it's a lie. Now, don't misunderstand me. I've yielded to fear. You've yielded to fear. I've yielded to worry. You've yielded to worry. But we shouldn't. I said, we should not. Never do we have to. Anytime we do, especially when you know what we're talking about today, so many of us, we know better now, yes. right? And to yield to it, 
To yield to fear, to let your heart be upset and troubled, to let yourself be afraid is sin. When the Lord tells you, commands you, don't do something, and you go on and do it anyway, what would you call it? To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. See, most people don't think about worry being sin. And they'll judge somebody for smoking a cigarette or judge somebody for taking a drink or judge somebody for cussing. And there they are sinning, (laughs) worrying, and proud of their sin. Think it's a sign that they care. Well, we're having fun this morning, aren't we? <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? What did the Lord tell you and I? Don't let your heart be troubled. Can you do that? Now, here's the thing that people don't understand. That doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted to fear. That doesn't mean thoughts, troubling thoughts and feelings are not going to come to you. What does it mean? You don't yield to them. You don't give in to them. What do you do? You resist them. I don't care if the hair is standing up on the back of your neck. I don't care if tears are rolling down your face and your emotions feel like you are all over the place. Through your tears, through the feelings of fear, you say, no, I refuse to fear. I refuse to yield to this. No, God is my God. He's given me his peace. I resist this. And if you'll do it, things will change. Might not happen in a moment, but those feelings will begin to leave you. Because he gave you his peace that passes understanding. That's what you can walk in instead of worry and fear. Turn back to the Psalms, please. We're in Psalm 34. Turn back to the 27th Psalm. Psalm 27. Said out loud, I do not have to fear. I do not have to be troubled. So if the Lord tells you to do something, that means you can do it. He wouldn't tell you to do something you can't do. So I can not let my heart be troubled. See, notice the word let, let not. If we're full of fear, it's because we let it in. We yielded to it. Now it's going to come, uh, feelings and thoughts, but that doesn't mean that you have to let it in. Again, my father in the faith, Brother Hagin, he said this one time, he said, uh, you may not be able to prevent a, a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent him from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> right? And so, you know, a thought of fear may come. Feelings of fear may come. Don't just panic and go, uh-oh, because the devil will tell you, look, too late. You're already afraid. Too late. You say, no, uh-uh. I resist this. You feel afraid, the thoughts are there, your soul may feel troubled, but resist it. Say, no, Now I refuse to give in to this. No, I'm not laying down here and crying. Stand up. God's done too much for me. He's come through for me too many times. I have faith in him. I'm not going down. I'm not going under. I'm going over. He's brought me through again and again and again, and he'll do it again. Right? So you don't yield to it. You don't yield to it. You resist it. And what happens when you resist the devil? He flees from you, the Bible said. Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Let me read this to you. I'm going to read uh, probably the whole thing to you. And hear it not just as me reading it to you, but the Lord talking to you. It is his word. Psalm 27. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What's the answer to that? Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Man, that's a great statement. That's what you say when you feel afraid. This is how you talk. When you feel afraid, when you feel like you've got no strength, you don't know what to do. You don't feel like you can come out of this. Uh, your strength is gone. What do you say? The Lord is the strength of my life. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this Will I be confident? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he'll set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Can you see how to come out? Can you see how to overcome? Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. And when you said, seek you my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, Will I seek? Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. How bad can it get? Well, that's pretty rough. When mom and daddy write you off. Right? But then is it time to throw up your hands in despair and say, well, that's it. Man, when your own mom and daddy don't believe in you anymore, when your own mom and daddy write you off, well, you must be a sorry rascal. That must be the end. No, he said, even if mom and daddy write me off, even if they forsake me, you will never forsake me. You're with me. Right? Friends, never get your eyes on other people and think that they are your salvation, that they are your identity. That they are the only ones that give you worth and value and that you have no future without them. Are you with me now? You know, you hear people, even married people, and I know what they mean, but we shouldn't even say this. I've heard married people say, well, if something happened to so-and-so, I just couldn't make it. I don't know how I could go on. Don't say that. Don't say that. If something happened to mama, I just don't think I could go on. If something happened to my brother or sister, if something happened to my husband or wife, I've heard people say it about their dog. If something happened to Spot, I just don't think I could go on. Well, you're setting yourself up. I said, you're setting yourself up because this life is short. It's very, very short, very brief. And we don't know who's going to live longer than the others. But I tell you this, you need to have enough of your heart and confidence in God that no matter who's there or not there, you're going to make it. Are you with me now? You see people who lose loved ones, 
And sometimes it's not a matter of losing. Somebody went home to be with the Lord. So you didn't really lose them. But they're not here anymore. And just grieve for years and never get past it. What does that mean? That means that person had a place in their heart that only God should have had. Are you with me now? Sure, you're going to shed some tears and you're going to miss people and wish you could go see them and that kind of thing, miss their presence. But friend, no human being is supposed to be our all in all. No human being is supposed to be our present and our future all wrapped together. Only God, only He is that to us. And when He's your rock, He's your foundation. He's your present and your future. Then no matter what goes on, you may feel it. You may feel rocked. But you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. I got a future. God's here. He'll be with me tomorrow. Right? We're going to make it. Even through your tears, through your pain, you'll say, I'm going to make it. Why? God's with me. And if he's with me, who can be against me? God's in me. He's for me. Now keep reading. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not over into the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless, and let you stop right here, then we know people who faint don't do this. Because he said, I would have fainted. Unless what? Unless I had believed to see. Has he seen it yet? Is this talking about the past? The present? What's it talking about? It's talking about the future. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. See what? The goodness of the Lord in heaven? No. No. In the land Of the living, wait on the Lord. This word wait here has the idea of expectation. Hope. Real Bible hope. Expectation. Hope in the Lord, we could say. Wait on the Lord. Expect of the Lord. Be of good courage. Don't be down. Don't be depressed. Be of good courage. And he will what? He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. Expect hope on the Lord. Fear has to do with the future. Who do you know that's panicking about the past? Right? No. What's the fear about? The future. Wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Wonder if it'll happen. Wonder if it won't. Fear that the bad thing might happen. Fear that the good thing might not happen. Fear. Go with me to Hebrews. We've looked at this before, but let's look at it again. Hebrews, please, the second chapter. Fear of the future. How many understand faith has to do with the future too? Anybody remember Hebrews 11? 1? What does it say? Now faith is the substance of things. What? Does that have to do with the future? Doesn't it? Hoped for. The word for hope in the Bible, again, it means expect, confident 
expectations. You could say it like that. Faith is the substance or the ground or basis of things expected, confidently expected. Well, expectation has to do with the future, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if it's faith, you don't see it, you don't feel it, and it's not now. As far as you don't see it now, you're expecting it. You believe you receive it now in your heart, but you don't see it now in front of you. If you saw it now, you wouldn't have to be in faith about it. Right? Right? So faith has to do with the unseen, what is not seen, and with the future. Substance of things hoped for, expected. Fear is a perversion of faith. So it's the opposite of that. Faith is expectation of good. Fear is expectation of evil. Another word for it is dread. Dread. People who are in faith are excited about tomorrow. People in fear dread tomorrow. Now in Hebrews the second chapter, let's read this. Hebrews 2 and 14. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Hebrews 2.14. said, since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. He, Jesus, in a similar manner partook of the same nature that by going through death he might bring to nothing and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage. Throughout the whole course of their lives. That's a description of millions and millions, billions of people on this planet held in bondage. Through what? The fear of death. King James talks about the fear of death makes you subject. They were subject to bondage all their life. So to be free from bondages, you got to get free from what? Fear. And particularly fear of what? Fear of death. Now when you read that, so many times people only think of physical death. But he didn't say just physical death. He said death. Spiritual death is what he's talking about. Of which physical death is part of. But let me give you this definition of death. Death has to do with separation. What happens when a a human being dies? As people say. Well, does that mean that's the end of them? See, people try to think that. Many in the world say, well, that's the end of them. It's not the end of them at all. It's not the end of their spirit. It's not even the end of their body. I don't care if that body decomposes to dust. That body is going to be raised again. Right? So it's not the end. But what is it? It's separation. The spirit is separated from the body. And when the spirit leaves the body, the body's dead. 
has no life in it apart from the Spirit. So it's separation. It'll help you when you think that. When you read the word death in the scriptures, think that word. Separation. Separation. So when people are afraid of death, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of separation. And you might add this word, loss. They're afraid of loss. Being separated from what I love. Being separated from what I desire. That's what people fear. Being separated from my body. Being separated from my loved ones. Being separated from my prosperity, from my money. Being separated from my success. Being separated and losing. That's what people fear. Do we have to fear any separation? Do we have to fear any loss? No. We should not be afraid of separation. We should not be afraid of loss. Now go with me on over to uh, 1 John, please. 1 John. The fourth chapter. 1 John chapter 4. Oh, the Lord's helping us today. 1 John 4. Verse 18. 1 John 4, 18. I'm reading the Amplified again. There is no fear in love. This is 1 John 4, 18. Dread does not exist. How many like that? Now, who is love? Is there any fear in God? No. And is God in us? Has the love of God been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost? Should we have any fear in us? There's no fear in love. There's no fear in God. So if there's fear in us, it's because we yielded to it and let it in and we shouldn't. There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full grown, complete love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. It's the law of displacement. You get full of love. What's going to go out the back door? Love comes in the front door. God comes in the front door. Fear's got to go out the back door. Right? Get full of faith, full of God, full of love. There'll be no room for the fear. He said, for fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. Fear, what does the King James say? Fear has torment. Torment. Heaven and hell is real. How many believe? Heaven is just as real as Branson. But much nicer. It's a real place. It's not an imaginary thing. It's a real place. Real people. It's real. Hell is real. It's a real place. And it's awful. It's awful. It's a place of torment. And do you know what makes it such a place of torment? It is full of fear. Do you know what makes heaven such a wonderful place? There's no fear. It is full of peace. It is full of joy. See, it's not just the physical location that makes heaven heaven. 
It's the environment. It's the atmosphere. It's who you with. It's not just the physical location and flames that makes hell hell. It's the environment. It's the atmosphere. It's who you with. The atmosphere of hell, the environment of hell is an atmosphere of torment. Why? Because fear has torment. Have you ever experienced fear? Then you had a taste of hell. Are you with me? Do you know what the devil's will is? His will is to manifest hell on earth. That's his work. That's his job. You know what God's will is? To manifest heaven on earth. Glory to God. Go back to Deuteronomy 11 real quickly. Some of you looking at me like this is a strange thought to you. So I've got to give you some more scripture. Deuteronomy 11. Are you going that way? Yes, Said out loud, hell on earth. earth. Said out loud, heaven on earth. We've heard these phrases, haven't we? And a lot of times people act like, well, you know, well, that's just a saying. No, there is. Not the full measure of hell on earth, but there are degrees of the environment of hell manifest in the earth. How would you know it was hellish? Torment. I said, it is tormenting. Now, don't raise your hand. We're not asking for testimonies. But we know, we have experienced torment in situations. Right? And the devil was pleased with that. That suited him. That's what he wants. He wants you to be vexed. He wants you to be out of your mind with fear and anguish and dread and torment. He wants hell on earth for every human being. He wants the same environment he, that's in hell to be manifest in your house. But he's not our Lord. Amen. I said he's not our Lord. Amen. Our God. His desire is that we have heaven's atmosphere and environment manifest in our home. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy will be done. Yeah. What? On earth. How? As it is In heaven. Now notice this in Deuteronomy 11. Oh, glory to God. Get ready to shout. Deuteronomy 11. He's talking about Canaan's land, the promised land. Does this have anything to do with us? Promised land, Canaan's land. Is that a type for the blessings we have in Christ? Notice what he says. Verse 11, Deuteronomy 11, 11. The land where you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys that drinks water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And it will come to pass if you hearken diligently to my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. I'll give you rain of your land in due season. The first rain and the latter rain. You may gather in your corn and your wine and your oil and I'll send 
and grass in your fields for your cattle. And you'll eat and you'll be full. What? Skip on down. Verse 18. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. And bind them for a sign on your hand and frontlets between your eyes. And you'll teach them your children. You'll speak of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you lie down. When you rise up. You'll write them upon the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. Why? That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. He said, you obey me. You love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you be careful and watch to do what I show you to do and tell you to do. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour blessings on you. All your stuff's going to prosper. Your kids are going to know my word. It's going to be like heaven on earth. You're going to have days of heaven right here on the earth. It's so sad. That so many Christians are experiencing days of hell on the earth. When it's not the will of God. It's not the plan of God. The devil's such a liar. And there's so many folk that are so confused about this. They think you're supposed to be tormented. They justify it some kind of way. Well, in this life, we go through a lot of stuff. And that's just the way it is. One of these days, we'll get to heaven. You think it'll probably be a shock to their system. They're so used to living in a torment environment. Yeah, there are challenges. Yeah, there are things to overcome. Yeah, you'll be persecuted for serving God. But you're not supposed to live in torment. You're not supposed to live in manifest hell. You're supposed to have days of heaven. No, it's not the full thing like it's going to be being there, but it's a foretaste. I said it's a foretaste. It's a foretaste. You're sitting out on your porch, you know, enjoying good food and drink, healthy in your body, not one worry on your mind. Peace. Your children are happy and love the Lord and they have peace. Glory to God. I mean, the Bible tells us, you know, Jesus said, let these little children come to me. He said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, this is what heaven's like. We have foretaste of it right here. Right now. But how many know when you are full of fear, you're not experiencing days of heaven? What would you be afraid of? We've already talked about this now. Fear of what? Fear of separation. And it has to do with the future. What's out in front of you? Turn with me please to Jeremiah. And I'm getting ready to. At least I'm thinking about. Getting ready to close. Jeremiah, uh, let's see, yeah, Jeremiah 29, and then we're going to Ephesians 2. Glory to God. I wish everybody had at least as good a life as I do, as Phyllis and I do. I do. Why not? I know some people maybe, you know, if they're having more fun than I am, I want to meet them. I believe you can come up higher. You know what I'm saying? Phyllis and I, you know, I know people think you're just lying, but I don't remember the last time we had a big fight. I don't remember. 
I wouldn't stand up here and, and lie. If we'd had a big blowout last night, I would never say that. <laughs> Why? Because you don't have to. You know I'm human. Amen. We have had problems in the past. We've got up here and told you all about it. But I mean, we go day in and day out and week after week and month after month. And most of what we say through the day is, man, we're blessed. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. We're so blessed. Yes. Healthy, not one ache in pain. Not one ache. Not one pain. Go that way day after day. Week after week. Month after month. Got money. (laughs) What are we doing? We're tasting of what's going to come. We're getting a foretaste. Is that just for a few? Just for a few lucky ones? We don't even believe in such stuff. We don't believe in luck. We know the destiny of God. He has chosen us and ordained all of us to this. And yet you got Christians living in torment. I know. We've been there. Tormented in our relationship. Tormented in your finances. Oh, everybody. Behind. It's torment. It's not the will of God. I said, it's not the will of God. Afraid. Where's the money going to come from? Am I going to get it enough in time? What's going to happen? What's not going to happen? All of that stuff is not faith. It's fear. And when you're yielding to fear, you're yielding to the enemy. You're not yielding to God. When you're yielding to fear, you're opening the door to the destroyer in your life. And you're closing the door to God. It's serious. What must we do? We must resist fear. When thoughts come to us, what about tomorrow? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? Where's the money going to come from? What about that disease? What about that report? What about this? Friend, I mean the moment it comes. We had some folk in the church a while back, and they got a real bad report physically. And uh, Phyllis and I were somewhere else in a vehicle uh, going from one place to another. And, you know, when they told us, we prayed about it and we're thinking about it, checking my heart. And, man, it come up strong. And I, I had Phyllis to call back and tell some folk and they told somebody else. I said, now's the moment right now where this thing is made or broken. You got the bad report. What are you going to do with it? See, the devil comes immediately and tries to paint a picture of you going down, 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 down and dying. Right? He tries to paint that out and lay that out for you. And if you begin to look at that and think that, what's going to happen to you? Fear. Fear is going to begin to grip you, right? Of being separated. Right? Separated from ones you love. Separated from the life you love. Separated from your body. Right? Fear begins to come and try to grip you. But you must not do that. At that moment, when that bad report comes, that's when you got to make a decision. No, no, I'm not looking down that road. No, I'm not. And you must begin to talk about your glorious future in God. Not just think about it. I mean, open your mouth and begin to out loud, begin to say what God has planned for you. With long life, he's going to satisfy me. He's going to show me his salvation. 
Believe with me. We're going to stir up. You know, we've shared. That's part of the leader's job is to share vision of what God has for us in the church. And believe with me for more clarity and more parts of the revelation. But then for your own personal life, talk to your spouse. Talk with your friends. Talk out loud to yourself about the glorious future God has for you. That was a little weak. Do you have a glorious future in God, not only in the life to come, but in this life? He said, I'd have fainted unless I had believed to see what? The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Does he have good things planned for you? Good things ahead of you. Read about it right here. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah 29. Can you tell when you get in faith? One big way you can tell, you get excited. Is that right? Ain't no such thing as being in faith about something and being depressed over it. No such thing. When you get in faith, you get excited. Happens every time. Jeremiah 29. Glory to God. Jeremiah 29, 11. Are you there? Now, if you don't know this verse, mark it. No, a lot of you do have it marked. You know it, but some of you might not. Mark it. Uh, like Brother Hagin used to say, if you can't mark in your Bible, pitch it aside, get one of ours and mark in it. Mark in it. Don't just mark it in the book, but get it marked inside you. The Lord's talking. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now, let's just stop right here. Who really knows the future? Who do you know that really knows what's going to happen? He knows, right? So when people are pondering and going, oh man, wonder what's going to come up. Wonder how it's going to be. Is there somebody who knows what's coming up? There is. He's God. So we could ask him and the wonderful thing, he went ahead and told us before we asked. Right here, Lord, how's it going to be? What you got lined up ahead of us here? Should we be scared? About the future. What did he say? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Listen to this translation. The NIV says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He said, then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you and you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Is there somebody who knows the future around here? Can we find somebody who really knows what's going to happen? Yeah. And he already told us. Let me read it to you again. This is the Lord talking now. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Oh, somebody needs to close their eyes and hear the Lord tell them this right now. Lord, what's going to happen to me? The Lord's talking to you. Are you listening? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Should you be afraid of that? Should you dread that? Should you be fired up about it? Should you be excited about that? 
Should you look forward to tomorrow and next week and next month and next year? Yeah, because God's got good things planned for you. Now, the only reason you should be afraid if you're going to rebel and go against God and go the wrong way, well, there's destruction in that path. But if you're going to obey Him and follow Him, He's got you set up, my brother and sister. He's got it worked out for you. It's good stuff. It's good plan. It's prosperity. It's blessing. It's success. It's victory. Go to Ephesians, please, in closing. When Phyllis and I we're praying about coming to Branson. It wasn't our idea. It was something the Lord brought up to us. I'm so glad he did. I'm thankful. He knew. It was just like when he dealt with us to go to Broken Arrow and go to Ramah. That wasn't our idea either. But he began to deal with us to come up here. And we were wondering why. Because we're pretty settled where we were. To come here. And... Uh, Phyllis and I begin to pray about it. Uh, what do you do when you don't know what's going on? Pray. Pray, pray in tongues. Yeah. Somebody say, well, that's not for everybody. It most certainly is for every child of God. Don't you believe something else? God wouldn't give me this supernatural ability to build up my spirit and pray out the mysteries of the plan of God for the future and withhold it from you and you need it just as much as I do. No. So we're praying and praying and praying and praying. How many understand these things are serious? And not only that, but we talk to our staff and they act like they're ready to go with us wherever we're going. Well, I don't want to play with their lives, right? I don't want to play with my family's life and I don't want to play with other people's life. You need to know what you're doing. You need to be sure. Then when you think you're sure, check it again, right? Then when you're pretty sure you're sure. Well, you do check you because God doesn't change. If it was God yesterday, it's God today, right? If it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. He's not flipping. It's people who flip and change. And the Lord led us to this passage of scripture in Ephesians. Glory to God. In Ephesians, I'm going to read the second chapter and the sixth verse, and then we'll get to this one verse the Lord quickened to us. It came up in us again and again, so much so that we read it out loud every day. For I don't know, how long did we do that? It was a year or two. And we didn't do it just to be doing something. We did it because it kept coming up in our heart. We're in this transition. Ephesians 2, are you there? 6. 2, 6. says, the Lord has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? In the ages to come. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. Do we have something good to look forward to throughout eternity? When God says it's exceedingly rich, you better believe it's some kind of rich. What do we got to look forward to? What kind of future do we have? What's ahead of us? Throughout the ages to come, God's going to be 
showing to us, showing to us the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness to us through Christ Jesus. I mean, as the eons roll by, He's going to just keep showing us more and showing us more and involving us in more. And like we've said before, you'll think, could it get any better than this? And you'll say, you like this? We'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. He said, look at this, look at this. And he'll unveil some more and we'll go, ooh, ah, wow. And then we'll think, well, it couldn't get any better than this. And he'll go, you like this? And we go, oh, God, oh. God, do we like it? Oh, it's so wonderful. He said, look at this, look at this. And he'll unfold something else and we'll all go, ooh, ah, wow. And this is what our future for the ages to come. He's never going to peak. There'll never come a time where he says, that's all, that's it. I've shown you everything. That's not going to happen. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're saved? Oh, everybody ought to be saved. But now skip down. That's ages to come. And people generally think about heaven when you think about that and the world to come. But is there anything for now? The immediate future. He said, verse 8, by grace you're saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. This is the verse that Phyllis and I read every day for those months. It kept coming up to us. We'd read this one, and then we'd turn and read another one. And that's what we'll do right now. Verse 10, we'd read, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And then we'd turn right over and read the third chapter and the 20th verse. Now unto him, 320, that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. But we'd read it in the Amplified. And the Amplified does what its name suggests. It amplifies. And get this, I'm still pumped over this and excited. Ephesians 2, 10. Are you listening? We are God, this is amplified, we're God's own handiwork. Recreated in Christ Jesus that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Living the good life. Which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Living the good life. Which he pre. What do we have to look forward to? The good life. And then Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him. This is the Amplified. Now to him who by. The action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, 
hopes, or dreams. God has a plan for every one of us. It is a plan of good. It is a plan, what did he tell us? A plan for prosperity. A plan of hope and a future. Right? Every one of us. Sad thing is, people don't go his way. They choose another path. A path that leads to destruction. I know Phyllis and I, we, when we first got married, we were so broke. Didn't know anything. And we got a hold of one thing. The Lord dealt with us to go to Raymond. We didn't know why. But we went. He dealt with me, helped Brother Hagin. So we did as much as we could. And years passed. Everybody say years. years. And after, I don't know, what was it? 18 years or so, the Lord blessed us with that house that we got in Tulsa. I mean, it was a miracle deal how we got it. It was nice. White stone, marble, giant pool, tennis court. And we paid less for it than most people did for their little house. Wonderful. And we're enjoying it. And the Lord spoke to my heart about it. They started building that house the same year we made the decision to go to Ramah. And the Lord dealt with me. He said, when you obeyed me, you and Phyllis obeyed me, you started down the path I chose for you. Your obedience, when you stepped out, it released things I had prepared for you. And if you stay on the path, you intersect them. Oh, do you get this, friend, now? See, they started building that house the year we made the decision to obey. We were headed towards it and didn't know it. They were building it for us and didn't know it. (laughs) Thing after thing after thing. And when we came up here, oh, man, you can just see divine destiny on every hand. I mean, the place we got now, this place, thing after thing after thing. Well, it didn't just happen the same day you popped up. It began back years ago. And how many believe the future is even much brighter? The future is even much greater. What do we got to do? Stay on track. Right? Just stay on track. Stay on the path he has for us. And to do this, we must stay in faith. The just walk by faith. Live by faith. Right? And believe that he has predestined us. To enjoy the good life. Right? Right? Days of heaven. I'm more excited than some of you are. Days of heaven. On the earth. This is not imagination. And when we get to heaven, we'll go, whoo, glory. Now, you know, I had a taste of this when I was back in Branson. (laughs) Wasn't this much, but I had a taste of it. Right? Had a taste of it back on the earth. Stand up on your feet, please. Say it out loud. No more torment for me. No more days of hell on the earth for me. No more fear. For me.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.